Hey, so I don't know if you have the same problem that I do, but I feel like whenever I get into a new relationship, the first question I'm thinking is, when am I allowed to trauma dump? And to be frank, we are coming up on a year anniversary of this very special relationship that you, the listener of Hell Yeah Horror, and I, the creator of Hell Yeah Horror, um, we've only, we've almost been, you know, significant others for a year when do I trauma dump? Is it this episode? I don't know. You know, I'm totally the person like feel it out, feel it in the moment. We'll see. But, you know, if we're lucky, there may be some trauma dumping today. And that is because we are talking about the new movie, Barbarian. So this film is, uh, I think he was a producer of like, what was it? The Grudge and It Too or whatever. His name is Zach Kleger. Um, and he, this is his directorial debut, I think. Um, I think that he was, like, he did some stuff in the early 2000s. If I'm wrong, just forget that I ever said this. Um, you know, as in any other good relationship, I will gaslight you into pretending that I never said anything like this. But the director is Zach Kleger. And... Before we talk about anything else, I feel like I need to get this out of the way. This episode has a massive, massive trigger warning for discussions of sexual assault and misogyny. Um, And if you can't stomach that, leave. Bestie, leave. You know, dissimilar to a good relationship in our relationship, I will respect your boundaries and I will make sure that you are, you know, cared for and that you're not... um, uncomfortable and if any of those things bother you step out i am not going to be offended you know we talk a lot of dark things this movie is one of them (laughs) um and i really don't think that you should be listening to this podcast unless you have seen barbarian um I, I, you, you can't. I, I'm giving you that caveat. You cannot listen to this podcast unless you have seen Barbarian. Um, and that's probably the only time I will ever say this, you know, for some films that I've talked about, like Shedja Subaki or, you know, most certainly The Devil, The Devil's Melancholia. Yeah, that's literally what it should have been called. Um, I would suggest that you don't watch the movie and you instead listen to the podcast. Um, if you feel like you can handle discussions of misogyny and sexual assault, watch Barbarian. For real, watch Barbarian. Um, this movie was utterly insane. It was one of the best horror movies this year. Um, the only other horror movie that I liked this much was Men um, by Alex Garland, a film that I will never be talking about on this podcast because... I know, like, not a lot of people liked men. I liked men for very uh, personal reasons. This will only be the time in which I say that I like men. Um, And I really, really, really loved men. Um, And don't take that out of context. Like, please respect my boundary. Um, (laughs) But I gave men five stars. This deserves five stars. Um, This movie was insane. Um, And so there's going to be spoilers all throughout. And you need to see Barbarian. I'm going to be using my teacher voice. If you do not see Barbarian, and, um, before, wait, let me just start again. Sorry, I was not, okay, I need to get serious, get in the moment. I'm channeling my inner mom energy. If you listen to this podcast before you see Barbarian, bad things are going to happen to you, and I do not tolerate this behavior. I expect better from you. 
all right, I think that was pretty good. Um, and so we're moving forward. Um, Barbarian, if I could ever try to quantify what it is, I would say that its genre would be a torture porn or a gritty grindhouse. Um, and I feel like when you say those, you know, it's not the most enjoyable, but this freaking movie was a freaking hoot. Like, I loved it so, so much. Um, again, if those things aren't your type of movie, then I wouldn't say to watch this. But because you are listening this far, you have watched Barbarian. That is a caveat. Um... I love this movie. You know, I think that some torture porns rely too much on female exploitation. And I think that what makes this movie so effective is it doesn't shy away from discussing female exploitation without ever showing it. Um, And I don't mind, you know, I think that some of the best movies discuss misogyny and they talk about horrible things in society, like the film happiness by todd salons i've talked extensively about that film on this and it is not tasteful but i think that it handles very perverse topics in a manageable way it's uncomfortable comfortable to watch and it's i don't know if you could call it a torture porn but it never seems to be shitting on the person that it's talking about so I hate that I'm even discussing this film, but, you know, I spit on your grave, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, up to infinity. All of those disgusting garbage films all depict rape um, as the general plot point. Oh my god, it's disgusting because then it poses it as if it's a fun thing that you would want to go to a movie theater and see. When you see rape in the cinema, it's almost as it's this untouchable thing. It's almost as if this this cinematic thing that doesn't happen, and it's this film character's magnum opium, it's just what transforms them. This woman gets raped, and now she's able to have power. And I think that that is the worst, worst way to deal with discussions of rape. And this film, and men, in my opinion, discussed extensively the effects of misogyny um, without ever exploiting women. I mean, is it really that hard to talk about misogyny without showing a violent depiction of rape? I mean, I'm getting frustrated because I think it's disgusting how so many men, men who perpetrate women, who perpetrate rape, perpetrators, men are the leading perpetrators of rape, then go on to make rape their climax of their film, as if they're not the ones doing it. Um, And so I think I like Barbarian so much is because all of the direct exploitation against women was implied and never shown and i appreciate that because then it's uncomfortable then it's taboo then it's this thing that is just rumored and talked about and held to a standard above what's in the film and i think that made it so much more effective um but that is later in the uh, movie so but you know that because you've seen the film um this is going to be a longer episode because girl I had a math class. Um, Instead of paying attention, I wrote two whole pages of notes. So buckle up, bestie. We're about to get into this. Um, So we're going to be talking about the film and then analyzing it further. I want to give a summary. I'm trying to be better at having like a um, direction of what I want to be doing with my podcast. But you know I'm a rambly Nancy. So we're just going to do what we're going to do. But Barbarian is a film about two people who accidentally um, reserve the same Airbnb. And this quandary of how are they in the same place, how did they get the same address, 
it's hilarious because it is never answered. <laughs> and I didn't realize this until later because it's a pretty large plot hole, but I feel like the consistency and the meat of the movie is so full of fat that it never matters. Um, and so I think it's hilarious. Um, it's never answered. We never know why the place was double booked or anything like that or why the realtor or whoever does it cares so little about this. Um, but, you know, that's for another time. So, Barbarian is not perfect. It's not a perfect film. There are plot holes. There are issues with it. There are times in which I feel like it's border lining on the untasteful category. And I could categorize it as an untasteful film. And distasteful film, pardon me. Um, and I still think it's a five-star film. So, I think another reason why this film is so amazing is because as the... This, the story moves forward, it operates as if you are learning about it as the movie goes forward. And so there's a huge plot twist, as you all know, because you've seen the film. Um, we know now that there's a plot twist, but the film is operating as if we're trying to get to the bottom of why they're in the same Airbnb, right? And then everything's dropped and the plot twist happens and then everything is switched. And I think that works very well because you don't really suspect anything's going to go wrong because the film is operating as if the initial quandary of how these two people ended up in the same Airbnb is true. And I think that made the twist that much better. Um, and it was also a very succinct twist, um, almost as if the twist was going to be the end of the movie because of how quickly it happened. Um, and I think the pacing of this film is really good. You know, it's not um, exhausting certain points. It is longer in some areas and shorter in some areas, but I think it's very good. And I think that the fact that after the twist happens, we are then diverted to another story makes it so amazing and pacing and I loved it um I just remember sitting there in the theater like what the fuck is happening I felt like I was going insane um and so I'll be talking about the summary a little bit later but I've heard a lot of people including um Demi Adejiwigbe who I love I love him so much he punched up on um Oh, what was that movie with Sandra Bullock? It was with Chan, uh, Channing Tatum. It was the love story. It was hilarious. Uh, what was it called? Lost City. That came out earlier this year. Demi Adejiwegbe uh, is a comedian, and I think he does screenwriting, but he's on Letterboxd, and I love his work so much and his analyses. Um, but he was saying that he did not like Barbarian as much as Malignant. And, you know, Demi... Of course, he's not listening to this, but I love Demi, and I love his work. How dare he say that? <laughs> because I thought Malignant was a piece of garbage. That did not surprise me in the least bit. I thought it was highly predictable, and just like, why the fuck did this happen? So, this film, I, I, I would say that if you did not like Malignant like I did, you would love Barbarian. And I think that, you know, for this film, it's either going to be you love it or you hate it, and I think it's the same for Malignant. Um, and so the plot twist was insane, far better than any M. Night Shyamalan twist that I've seen. I know that he's considered and deemed to be, like, the king of twists. I fervently disagree. Zach Kleger, come get your crown king! <laughs> um, this was amazing, and the plot twist was reminiscent of an Outlast video game, or even Resident Evil for all of my little video game baddies out there. Um, the entire film, I, well, after the plot twist, of course, when we meet the mother, um, 
I had some very, um, you know, I had some high suspicions and just um, correlations to the Outlast video games with just the character design and the trauma of this character. It seemed very reminiscent of one of those films. And those are definitely like torture porn grindhouse video games. And I think it's campy. And this film is so campy and for some reason so reminiscent of those video games. Um, But... I also deem this film to be the modern-day Martyrs. I think that Martyrs discusses misogyny, and it discusses a highly elevated, you know, quandary of the effects of religion and misogyny, of course. And this film, I think, also discusses the effects of misogyny long-term. And I think that... You know, Martyrs is an amazing film. It is a difficult watch, but I would say that it, it's a palatable torture porn. And it is a non-exploitative torture porn. And I would agree with this film. You know, there are definitely some distasteful moments. Some moments that I'm like, hmm, should a man really be making this point? And I still would agree that it's a mar- modern day Martyrs. And so, again, if you like Martyrs, I would highly suggest this film. Um, and with the character design, if you've seen Martyrs, um, I think the gore is really good. And I think that the gore is really good in this film as well. Um, so, back to the synopsis. I'm just going to go over this briefly, just in case you've seen it a little bit ago. Um, but two people in Detroit ran out the same Airbnb and everything is not what it seems you can get after a night of coincidences um so you know I think this film works very well because oh, frick I forgot his name it was Keith Keith and Tess Keith is Bill Skarsgård's I think that's his name Bill Skarsgård's character and uh, just, you know, as a woman, <laughs> I am, um, you know, worrisome, wary of any man. And I think that when we see Tess, a young woman, going into this house with this man, um, I don't think that I'm alone in saying that we were terrified to see what he could do. And I think that from the beginning of the film, it we, we all assumed that the, the antagonist was going to be Keith. Um, but a night of coincidences occurs, um, Tess decides to stay in the house, Keith sleeps on the couch, Tess sleeps in the room, Tess locks her room, uh, or maybe she didn't, I, it doesn't really matter, but during the middle of the night, she wakes up, she hears Keith, like, having a night terror, something along the lines of this, oh, ooh, oh, Hiya, Georgie. Just like that. That's how it happens in the film. You know, it's really effective how they have that um, aforementioned it to reference. I thought that was my favorite part of the film. Um, So they, oh my gosh, this is erratic. Um, So the night of coincidences occurs. They get to know each other. They realize that Tess and Keith are somehow correlated to the same documentary that Tess is applying for. Um, he has his night terrors, Tess wakes him up, she's like, did you hear the locked door open, because the door to the basement just locked, and was slammed shut, he was confused, she was confused, she goes to bed scared, she wakes up, goes to an interview, um, comes home, I mean, this is all just kind of, like, you know, doesn't really matter, um, as you all know, cause you've seen the movie, um, but later that day, Keith and Tess find a padded room with a camcorder and a bucket. And 
you know, this is, you're not going to find this on IMDb. This is why you listen to Hell Yeah Horror for the specific exclusive um, tidbits. So get ready, buckle your seatbelts. That padded room with the bucket and the camcorder, that is the set for Hostel. I know. I know. You didn't know it before. It's the set of Hostel, you know, and Eli Roth was, you know, he also housed every single one of his actors there. That's how he got them to be so good at torture porn, by torturing them himself. You won't find that fact anywhere else. You'll find it here. We only share the most tasteful, most factual information, and you're welcome. Um, so when Keith goes to explore the room, um, Tess is horrified. She goes, um, upstairs. Keith goes downstairs. He's going to find the room with the bucket. Tess is upstairs. She hears some weird things. Keith is not doing well, right? Um, so she goes downstairs to find Keith, realizes that he found an, uh, secret door to a basement it's like a cave-like system i mean if you've ever played um atlas 2 the mines it's reminiscent of that i'm sorry i'm geeking out just a smidge um so <laughs> when keith goes to explore what tess saw he finds the moles living in call me kevin sims 2 game just another little exclusive tidbit for you um what happened to keith's body though so we know that keith goes and finds the mole living in um calming kevin sims 2 game we know that right we know that we see keith's head smashed up against a wall because the mother takes him and smashes his head against the wall also the creature design of the mother was insane just saying i love a good creature feature um i think you know i i think that it's we've established that i'm not afraid of things i just find it more enjoyable to have a creature feature I, i like it um so we know that his head gets smashed up against the wall and before like the cut happens right when the twist is occurring we get a close-up of the mother's face later in the film though they re-enter in the mines i'm gonna call them that from now on but it's the tunnel underneath the house what the hell happened to keith's body that's never established does the mother keep the body does the mother nurse it? like what happens that's another plot hole that i no noticed but let's keep moving on i guess so after the big plot occurs we know tj he what the fuck tj aj we meet aj he's singing a little ditty he's going to liquidate housing in chicago to afford his repercussions of raping someone um because you know oh it's a poor man who has to live with the repercussions of his actions oh poor baby um he becomes a victim of the moles living in his house um that's the little summary we have right The sequential developing story in which we learn as the movie progresses is highly satisfying and shocking. Um, And I think that I left the film wanting nothing else. You know, there was nothing that I would change about the film. When I was watching the movie, I was terrified that this was going to be another man's sob story about, oh my god, what happened because of me too? Oh, he's being charged with something he didn't do. Um, I really do think that this film is for women and not for men, because I really do worry about how many men are going to relate to AJ. 
Um, because I was horrified about that. I was horrified that this was going to be a Harvey Weinstein sob story. How dare this woman ruin this man's life? And I was really happy in the way that they took AJ and how he's not an outwardly horrific person. That he feels remorse for what he did. That he, you know, he's, he's subliminal with his rapiness, right? He calls his victim a fucking bitch, you know, which was a huge red flag. Um, but it's highly satisfying. Um, and I don't think this film is for men. I really don't. You you get every other movie. This film is for the girlies. A little study about AJ. He is highly resemblant to the father in the basement that we find later in the film. Um, and I, when he, like, watched the videos, which I, again, very thankful they did not show the videos, we find out that the mother living in the basement, as you all know, you know this because you haven't seen the freaking movie! Um, so we know this. The father and the mother. The father is the father of the mother um, who was a product of inbreeding. Um, but the father had a ton of children who he raped because he, well, of course, was misogynistic because you wouldn't rape someone if he were not misogynistic. Um, but he, when AJ sees the horrible atrocities to what he, the father did, he calls him a sick fuck. Um, almost seeing himself as like, how dare you do this? This is disgusting. Even though AJ has committed, you know, a very similar atrocity, but sees himself as entirely different. Um, I think that was a very interesting point to have in the film. And I was thankful that it was there because, you know, I am, you know, this is where the trauma dumping occurs. I am a victim, um, and a serve. I hate saying victim. I am a survivor of sexual assault, um, over a prolonged period of time. And, I think this movie and men meant so much to me because I feel like it was, you know, relatable and it painted men and my traumas in a film form. Um, And so I knew AJ was guilty from the start. I, I knew it because... He looks and acts like a lot of my abusers. You know, the fact that it's, oh, she's a fucking bitch. How dare she? How dare she ruin my career and ruin my life? Not ever taking into effect the trauma that this woman is having to go through. The fact that every man she sees is now his face because she cannot stop reliving the same moment. You know, just speaking from my own personal experience. He will never have to worry about not trusting a woman ever again because he was raped by a woman. So I think that AJ was a complicated character and I think that he will not be understood or really seen to his full potential by men. Uh, I think that a lot of men are going to relate to him and as I said, terrifies me. Um, you know, and AJ insinuating like, how dare this dude rape women and his children? I just raped one woman thinking that he's so much better than the father. Like, you sick fuck. Um, how dare you do this to your daughter? Like, you don't do this to your daughter. You just do this to women you're not related to, right? That sort of ideology. Um, I really do think that AJ is resemblant of the patriarchy personified. You know, his words are so insidious but they're not outwardly insidious you know he just said that his the girl megan needed persuasion um she's a fucking bitch you know 
passively misogynistic, you know, the, the misogyny that's allowed in society, the misogyny that you're allowed to say in other in front of other men, and they won't stop you from saying that. So I think that he was an utterly disgusting character, and I would like men who relate to AJ to come out and say it so we can all put them in the minds. Just saying. Um, and I think that it was beautiful and, you know, sort of a feminist act for AJ to die in the end by the mother. And you know that the mother has so much love for AJ. She loved him. She nursed him. She took care of him, saw him as her own son, and saw how he hurt her daughter and decided to kill him. And I feel like that is resemblant of Mother Earth finding refuge I'm not getting choked up because I'm sad. I'm getting choked up because I need water. Give me a sec. A mother hating her son so much after what he did to another woman. I feel like is the karma that all survivors want to see in the world. They want to see justice being done. Justice that we will never see done in this world. And I really do think that was beautiful. Um, And, you know, the mother and the minds took so much more was such a better mother, in my opinion, than AJ's real mom. You know, on that phone call with his mother, his mother was saying, you know, I know you didn't do it. Um, Like, just saying that you could have never done this. She believed the best of her son because, as most mothers, they do nothing to prevent their child from becoming misogynistic and just expect that their feminine motherly love will be enough to save them from raping a woman. And, of course, that's not the case. Um, And she still continues to coddle him and I feel like one of the most disturbing sentences in this was how he never said that he didn't do it he never ever ever said that he didn't do it he said he never once said that this is a false allegation he never once I think he said it probably on the phone call but with his mother his argument was that this was going to ruin his career not that this was a false allegation, because he knew, and his mother didn't care. Um, it wasn't uh, It wasn't a response to the fact that he didn't do it. It was, there was no denial. It emphasized, he emphasized the fact that this would hurt his reputation and career, never once acknowledging the fact that he harmed someone else. And later in the film, he's like, it hurts me, you know, with those male Karen tears. It hurts me to see that I hurt someone else by shooting someone I know. You know, it, it it's all fake. You know, he says that and then goes on to hurt someone else. So, you know, again, just a character study of him. I hate his character um, because he is, you know, passively misogynistic, quietly insidious. The insidious, you know, the, the toxic masculinity that you're allowed to exude because no one's going to hold you accountable for it type of thing. <clears throat> I do think that AJ is a satisfying, eye-opening, necessary anti-hero. And when he died, you know, I'm never, ever... I don't care if this gets too deep. This is why I talk about film, because of its meaning to me. I will never, ever, ever, ever get justice for all of the pain that I've gone through for being a survivor of assault. I will never... Those men who have assaulted me will probably never feel bad about themselves or never even think twice about what they've done to me. And when he died, it made me happy. Because finally, in a far-off world that I will never live in, a bad person is finally getting what they deserve. 
And I'm not lucky enough to live in a world like that now. Um, Those who have hurt me will never receive justice or karma. But it was nice to see someone who is very resemblant of those who have hurt me get what he deserves. Um, And this is just resemblant of the love I have for the movie Men. I'm just going to talk about this now. I think it's a flawless film. I know a lot of people don't like it. I'm never going to talk about it um, because it's so personal to me. Um, and it's a spiritual film for me as a survivor. Um, and I know that it has religious, you know, it's, it's a religious film. It has religious undertones. It's a film for me. Um, and I'm not going to talk about it. So just saying it's a great film. I think that if you see it from, I think a lot of people don't like it because of its religious perspective. And, you know, I can get behind that. I think its religious undertones are very indicative of society and misogyny as well. I think if you watch it and you... Just oh, such a good film. If you just take it from the ideology of women and you know, I, I, whatever we're gonna talk about it a little men and the ideology of a flawed, broken, destructive man with a peg leg foot. You know, not to be ableist, but he is being reborn from a, a male vagina. If you've seen men, I don't care if I'm spoiling it for you. Sorry. Um. <laughs> um. It's a broken person being born over and over and over again, and they never stop being born with their flaws. And to me, that just shows the fact that we have so many flawed society, like societal factors, the patriarchy and religion, that are never being remediated. They're never being healed before being reborn. They're just being reborn, flawed and flawed and flawed. Um, and so, yeah, it's an amazing film misogynistic and religious undertones, I love it. I'm not going to ever talk about what it means to me. Um, and I know why people don't like it. I just said I wouldn't talk about it and I talked about it. I get it. You don't have to say it. Um, but this film, Barbarian, back to Barbarian, I apologize. Um, it's interesting and divisive and it's extraordinarily on the nose. And I wonder if it's borderlining on even being too on the nose. You know, I feel like me too is such a hot topic for the the wrongest reasons and i think it's disgusting how people approach that topic i mean i was pissed the fuck off when i saw the worst person on whatever it's called the worst person on planet earth the worst person the joaquin trier joaquin trier film and how it's i live in a society of me too but i like giving blowjobs like girl we do not need to hear your take on this this is not the feminist article that you think this is you know i hate when men make me too and write women as they wish to see fit i don't think that zach Kleger did this was it too on the nose maybe maybe and i'm probably not the best person to talk about that um but i don't think it's tasteful but it was satisfying and i don't think that it ever would have been extort <clears throat> my gosh i'm not crying i don't think it ever would have been extraordinarily appropriate i think this film was so good and i don't think it's going to appease everyone but i love it again it was so satisfying to see a mother take accountability of her son into her own hands you know this mother was protecting her daughter holding her son accountable and saw through his bullshit because of her own father you know i saw a lot of as i said parallels between aj 
and the father character also has to do with the fact that this is reminiscent of society we try to hold our children accountable for what our parents did the mother can never hold the father accountable because he was her dad she can hold her son accountable um and i feel like that's so satisfying the fact that she can see through his bullshit because of her trauma um and this might not be the best character to defend. You betcha I'm defending her. I am the queen of controversial takes. And I am happy to, to be that person. Um, I do think that this film is also the ultimate good for her film. Um, you know, Midsummer might be categorized as it. Um, I think Ready or Not. I haven't seen Ready or Not, but I've heard that being done as well. I haven't seen Ready or Not. I love Midsummer. The Barbarian's at the top of my list for the good for her film. Um, and I think that many women like me, I'm, I'm not trying to generalize, I haven't talked to anyone about this, so I guess I am generalizing, but I empathize. No, not empathize. I sympathize with the mother. I mean, let's just think about her. She is a victim of rape and trauma. Her mother <clears throat> was raped by the man living in the bed in the mines the man who is forcing her to live under the ground the man who has made her into what society deems to be a monster i don't think she's a monster you know she's she just wants to protect her children something her mother can never do and i will defend this character you know it's a movie so it's not like it has really any real life implications um <clears throat> and i know that she's going to be villainized you know but she was villainized in the movie and exploited for doing all that she knew how to do. All she knew how to do living in those mines was how to be a mother. Because that's all that she could do. That was her entire life. Was carrying the next spawn of her father and slash rapist. It's sad. The fact that she's still caring for all of those around her. Even though she's never had anything herself. And I think that it was... I know a lot of people are going to think it's disgusting to see a grown man sucking on a boob. Um, or kinky, if you're into that, I guess. Um, but I thought that scene was sad, not disturbing. Um, I thought it was sad because it's just someone who's trying to care for her child. You know, and, and think about it. She, she thinks that these people are her children. These people she has no correlation to. Um, she doesn't like it when her children get fussy. She is just trying to, you know, keep them safe and alive. All she wants to do is keep them with her. Um, and, you know, was it the right way to do it? Girl, no! But this is a movie! <laughs> Though she was just doing all that she knew, and that was how to care for her children. Um, I do want to talk about her character design a little. As I said, I did love it. I do want to talk about naked breasts in horror films. And so I feel like it is a very interesting thing because <clears throat> I forgot who says it, but like as a woman, everyone's dying and and screaming at you for you. I mean, just watch Woodstock 99 on Netflix. Everyone's going to want to see your tits. But the second that you age or the second that you show them your tits, you're disgusting. And I think it's an interesting thing to have in horror films um, to try to... I don't know, like, I'm not sure the correct term, but try to make something scary. Would that be to horrify? Uh, I, I presume so. But 
an attempt to horrify audiences to show naked aging breasts. I mean, is that really the scariest thing? Come on, everyone loves boobs. Let's not joke and be a liar here, you know? Don't pretend like you all don't know what adult breastfeeding is. I know your kinks. Um, I think it's interesting to constantly frame naked aging women as if this horrifying thing. I think that's an extreme disservice to women. And I think that's further just trivializing and stupefying um a women's aging process, you know? Why do we see a like wrinkly skin to be so horrifying? Um <clears throat> this is like Ty West's film X, you know, this How dare she be naked and an oh, that's disgusting. How dare these naked people have sex? Like is that really what's so horrifying? So that's just something that I noticed. Um and honestly the breastfeeding scene is kind of iconic because it really just proves AJ's theory that it's okay as long as they need persuasion, right? You know, AJ just needed some persuasion, and he was fine, you know, just, it's, it's good, you know? Um, another question I have of this film is, why did the father kill himself when AJ was there? Why then? Um, I don't like to think of things being coincidental, especially in film, because I feel like you can take such you know, it's, it's all fake, you know, most of the time. And so you can take extreme credence in what you're creating. So why did the father kill himself there? Was it because he saw himself in AJ? Was it because he just felt like he was done, you know, using a Chekhov's gun? Why did he kill himself there? We won't know. I don't know why he had to die there. I guess just so they didn't have to, you know, kill him. Or maybe it is just an allegory of how those... You know, the, the the worst people in society um, will never, ever, ever get justice. And the only reason he died is because he took it into his own hands. His victims don't get that justice. And it might be an allegory for that. I'm just speculating. But um, it really wasn't explained. <clears throat> it was sort of a minute point in the film. Um, but it was interesting because he also did say um, in the 60s, and I think that the gentrification process was interesting to discuss upon and to, you know, in the earlier part of the film, presume that that's what made the, it was, it's such a horrible neighborhood to be in because of transient population. That's what one would presume. Um, but it was interesting when AJ goes into the mines and then we of course learn more about the father and how he says that when his neighbor's like, oh, yeah, I'm leaving, and, you know, I'm, I'm moving out. When are you, are you going to leave soon? And he said, I'm not leaving. And he stuck to his word. <laughs> he did not leave. Aside from being a creepy thing, aside from being a creepy thing to say, why did he not want to leave? I don't think that that was explained either. Was there something about the area that made it so desirable? Was it the fact that it was an aging neighborhood with low populations we don't really know we just know that he didn't want to leave and he never did he had thank god that this poor soul had his dying wish and never left his neighborhood so 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 thankful for him he deserves it they're interesting the most impactful thing the most memorable thing said in this film to me <clears throat> was i'm not sure his name um but he said this, <clears throat> it was a transient person who was saying this to um, Tess, saying about the mother, that she is not even the worst thing down there.
I'm just going to let that sit because this was insane to me. She's not even the worst thing down there. <clears throat> is that to discuss AJ? Is that to reference to the father? Is that to reference both? I think that this is something that could be overlooked easily. And I don't think it should be. Because, you know, the mother was arguably the main antagonist of the film. I'd argue that she was not the main antagonist of the film. Um, but I think that was horrifying and utterly chilling to hear. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, this film also briefly touched on police incompetency, um, which is pretty much a horror trope. I feel like if you watch horror films, you're going to gather that, um, like, you know, police are horrible. Um, and it's, it's not even like a trope anymore. It's real life. You know, this isn't a stereotype, like police fucking suck. Um, <clears throat> in any horror film that you see, I mean, even super bad, <laughs> you're going to see that police fucking suck. So there's evidence of that. I'm not talking about that in this film. We could talk about the gentrification process and the, you know, the over-policing and under-policing, whatever. But it's not what I'm arguing about today. <laughs> um, <clears throat> for some, this in this film, everything is going to land and they're still going to hate it. Um, and I've seen reviews about that on Letterboxd. People know that AJ is a horrible person. People know that he is not the protagonist of this film, and they're still going to hate it because it's not a film about them. It's a film about misogyny. Um, and they can understand that and believe that it's just too obvious or on the nose. Well, if it was so fucking obvious, then rape numbers should be down, right? No. And I think that those people feel like this is too on the nose or like this is too, how dare they talk about misogyny and such an explicit, like you need this film more than anyone else. Um, I saw The Purge, the newest one that um, talked about minorities. What was that one called? But it was the newest one. And people were complaining about its political factor. If that film is too political and too controversial for you, it's a film that you should watch. Um, and same for this film. If this film's misogyny makes you uncomfortable or you feel like it's too, you know, too critical of men, you need to watch this film again and again and again um, because you did not get the message. Oh, my gosh. Um they can get everything from the film and still hate it. And, you know, that's not my battle. I think that just proves that they're not a good person. Because it has nothing to do with the film at that point. It has everything to do with them. If everything of the film still lands and you hate it, it's because you hate the material of the film. And I can agree with that because what was the movie? I think it was, like, The Girl Next Door or whatever. And it was the movie about this young girl who's being, like, a abused by her mother and everything landed i hated the content of it um because it's about a young girl being abused um does that mean you know so i think it's in the same ballpark but if you are someone like me who does love outlast and resident evil barbarian is everything that i love about horror it's multi-layered, it's a grindhouse film, it's gritty, it's gory, it's dark, it's creative, it's something you haven't seen before, it's torture porn in the least 
um, exploitable, overt way. Um, and it's on the nose and it applies to things that are happening today. Barbarian is highly flawed, as we've discussed. There are numerous plot points. It's distasteful. It's probably not the best material to be coming from a man's mouth. And yet I have no complaints. I, I cannot rate it anything but five stars. I think that Alex Garland and Zach Kleger are both good examples of what it means to be a male ally to the feminist community, and they are making horror accessible to and for women. They talk of female exploitation without using or exploiting women. They talk about misogyny in a hands-off way that never is, well, no, all men. I want more horror films like this. I want more male directors to use their privilege and to amplify the effects and the horrors of misogyny to not be committing more misogyny. We talked about this idea extensively in the Angels' Dermelancholia of how can you talk about depravity and still perform that depravity. I spit on your grave. Lars von Trier. You name it. These films are amazing, and they are for the girlies. I'm just going to leave it at that.